0: About difficult things, and there'll be things to go away and wrestle with. But that will be the right place to be. If you are too comfortable with the things that we'll be talking about today, that's a problem. I think these are things that are difficult and complex and um, painful. Actually, real life painful. Well done on the reading, by the way. You did. A, I mean Og. There's some fun names, like Og. But difficult names, and there's some fun moments in the story. Like it finishes with a bed. That's a fun touch. About the, um, depending on how they do the measurements, it's something like a 13 foot bed. Um, it's a big bed. It's the land of the giants. Um, so there's fun bits in it, but it's not actually a very fun story. Um, and so thank you, Luke, for handballing this particular difficult passage to me. But let's let's get into it. Um, You'll know that when you go to a wedding it starts with a preamble. Um, It's usually something like dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to celebrate, dot, dot, dot. And then there's a little explanation of what marriage is about. It'll say things like for the expression of natural affections, uh, for building a family, and also in the Christian context, it will be, this is also um, a reflection of Christ in the church. Um, and we do this because we're like we're setting the scene. This is the preamble. We're talking, this is what we're talking about. Um, this is what it's all set up for, and then we get into the covenant. We get into the agreement, um, and then we make promises. And the book of Deuteronomy is it's a bit like that where it's a covenant renewal. The Israelites are on the river, on the east side of the River of Jordan, about to go into the Promised Land. And the first four chapters are the preamble. Here's where we're coming from. We've set the scene, and then the rest of it is: now we're going to renew this covenant. We're going to make some agreements, or God's going to make an agreement with us. Then it'll lay out the um, the regulations. there'll be some blessings and curses, please keep this, it'll be bad for you if you don't. That's Deuteronomy. But we're in the first bit, we're in the setting the scene bit and it's really looking back, remember this, remember that God has acted like this in the past, God has brought us to this point and then we're about to go. That's the setting, It's a preamble. Chapters 1 to 4 are remember everything that's brought us to this point. Chapters 2 and 3 are a bit more recent, remember the land that God has given you already there are two little local kingdoms. Um, me. Yeah. There are two small kingdoms that they've just that God has just given them into their hands, and they've defeated them. Um, there was, by the way, the, that land east of the Jordan end up being given to Reuben and Gad. So two of the tribes of Israel were given this land that they'd already been given by God. In chapter 3, which is what we're looking at today, we're looking at the second one of those um, uh, conquests of the land and that's Bashan and Og king, was the king of Bashan. Um, and God gave them, gave the Israelites this kingdom. And so he's saying, remember what happened? Remember that God gave you this. And that's the story we had read out. Um, Chapter 3 verse 1, Remember that we turned and we went up the road to Bashan and King Og of Bashan came out against us with his whole army. Um, But the Lord said to us, Don't be afraid of this guy, even though he was a giant. I think Luke talked about that last week. The reason the bed was so big was in their imagination, hard to know exactly how big these people were, but they were scared. These guys were the giants and Og was the remnant of the the biggest of the giants. He was king of the giants. Don't be scared of this guy. Um, and then in verse 3, so the Lord our God also handed over King Og-Bashan and his whole army to us. We struck him until there were no survivors left. We captured all his cities at that time. There wasn't a city that we didn't take from six, 60 cities, the entire region of Argob, the kingdom of Og-Imbashan. And all these cities were fortified cities. They had high walls and gates and bars and besides a large number of rural villages and we completely destroyed them as we had done to King Sihon of Heshbon, destroying the men, the women and the children of every city and we took all the livestock as plunder. This is what has just happened. We've been given this land. Remember this and remember that God gave it into our hands. And this sort of preamble, it's summed up really in verse 21 of this same chapter. We didn't have a readout but let me just read it out to you. This is the summary. I commanded Joshua at that time, your own eyes have seen everything the Lord your God has done to these two kings. The Lord will do the same to all the kingdoms you are about to enter. Don't be afraid of them for the Lord your God fights for you. So this is the preamble. God has fought for you twice you're about to go into the land, God will fight for you again and will give you this land. So remember it, remember that you are aligned with God. God is the Lord, he is in charge and God fights for you. So stick with him and it will go well with you. That's the preamble. But what I want to ask is whether these are good memories. Um, Certainly for the Israelites, good had come of it. Uh, But what I want to ask is, are these morally good? Now, Rod flagged this a couple of weeks ago when he talked about how um, particularly militant atheists will challenge the fighting God of the Old Testament as um, an ethnic cleanser. I want to take that question head on and ask, are these conquests morally good? Can they be defended? Can God be seen to be good in this? Um, Particularly in verse 6, we completely destroyed them, men, women and children, and then we plundered all the livestock. Um, Is this a good memory? That's the question. My hunch is, if we're talking memory... Hands up if you have that verse up on your wall as a memory verse that you want to keep in mind regularly or any conquest verse for that matter. Um. <laughs> yeah, not many of us. There is one. That's, that's really interesting. Um. What we've got here is um, clearly violence, even against children, and that's an uncomfortable thing to remember. Um, particularly, are they innocent? Are we happy with violence against innocents in any setting? That's a tricky question. Um, it does have a fear like we're destroying whole people groups. It feels like a genocidal thing. Is that what's going on here? Is that either the practice here or is that the goal? And even invading of the land. This land is settled already. There are people living there. They've got cities, they're farming. Particularly here in Australia, we're very sensitive about the idea that the land wasn't empty and people come in. Is it right for people to come in over the top and then settle land that's already settled? Um, Is that good too? So that's the question. How are these good memories? So I really want to show how this can be good and how it works. And what I want to do is... Um, just give you six other things to remember at the same time as this story that will help us get it. Um, I, I think they're in the story, but you just need to work hard to notice them. So the first one is, we really need to remember what we mean when we say, even in this passage, God is the Lord, the Lord God, the God of the universe. We need to understand who we're talking about. Think, what I've got up there are three different theologies, three different views that people have of, have of God. first one is like a clockwork God. It's called deism for those who know the term. The idea that God just sort of made this world, wound it up, set it off and running and he stood back and things just happened. And in this world, we, we really are just the boss of the world and um, God doesn't interact with us at all. We do what we do. We live our lives pretty independently of God. Thank you God for making the world but then he stepped, stepped back. Probably not many daists in this room. Second one though is, might be a little more familiar. These are um, um, people where God is real and God can act but I'll treat him like a help desk, like when I ring up Telstra or somewhere where um, I'm glad he's there and I'm glad he set up a brilliant system but I really only want to talk to him when there's a problem, when I need help, when I'm, I'm well, when I'm in trouble. Um, God's an interventionist God, normally he's hands off but sometimes he comes in and does some stuff. So he's hands off, comes in and helps win a battle, normally he's hands off. But still I'm pretty much in control and we're pretty independent of him except when we're desperate. None of that is the God of the Bible. God of the Bible is a God who creates and who sustains and is intimately involved in every single moment of his creation. Every single breath you take is because God is sustaining you at every moment. Every moment we have is a gift. It's a grace. God owes us nothing. We sing songs like God gives and takes away, but um, it's true. God owes us nothing. He can give us a short life or a long life. He can give us 80 years or 70 years or 20 years or 10 years and we can't complain about it. It's all a gift. It's all a grace and it's all, every breath we take is a grace from him. That's the first thing. We can't complain when God takes our life. It's his. He is our Lord. That's the first thing. Bear that in mind. Second thing to bear in mind is. Um, now, let's talk about land a bit. Um, we are all caretakers of land, not owners of land. This is God's land. All land is God's land. We're custodians, we're caretakers. Um, Genesis chapter 1. We're set up to look after it, but it's God's. Now, we're built a place, and Rod talked about this a couple of weeks back too, yeah, we are embodied and we're built for a place and we belong to land, absolutely. We're very um, connected to our homes. But we don't own them, God owns them. Um, I grew up in Canberra, I don't know if anyone here has spent any time in Canberra, but in Canberra, no one owns land. It's all the land belongs to the Territory and everyone, every block of land that you get, is you buy, but it's a lease. It's a 99-year lease. Um, which means you sort of feel like you own it. In fact, you just forget that it's a lease and you treat it like you own it and you just take it for granted that it's your land. But it's not your land. You're a tenant on that land. And here's the thing with tenants. If tenants abuse the tenancy, you can remove them. You can remove them for either wrecking the wrecking the place or you can just remove them if they are, um, I don't know how to put this nicely, but if they are just um, the wrong sort of, if they're damaging the community as well. They might, it's not just that they're wrecking your house but um, if they're criminals, if they're destructive, if they're dangerous, then you'll take their lease away. Um, And that's what's happening here. This land is God's and he is selectively removing the tenants who are evil. We haven't had the chance to read all of it, but if you read the story, the Israelites are told, don't touch these people, walk past there, ignore that. Very specifically, you need to remove King Og. Um, I I need to remove this tenant. And so they're agents for removing evil tenants, evil empires is what's going on. Um, I'll come back to that in a second. So that's the second thing. None of us own any of the land. We're custodians of the land Um, and God can move us around as he pleases. Another point. I don't know if you can read that. Um, This is one of the really lovely things about Australian football is the banners that they stick up before the games. This is from Fremantle. Purple Rain, Purple Rain... um, Don't worry the army, batten down the hatches, fear the tsunami. It's football. There's no tsunamis. There's no armies. There's no hatches. This is like battle language but it's just really a game of football. Um, And so theologians will say in the Old Testament a lot of this language is war language. It's a genre where we're talking in extreme terms because that's how people in those days talked about winning battles. We're going to wipe you out. But it didn't literally mean wiping out every single individual. It just means we are going to completely remove this kingdom. Um, I think that removes all the problems. There are times where it really does say um, kill individual people. Um, But certainly there's an exaggeration about this. There's a sense of we're talking big, Because we're we're talking empire and removal of empires. That's what's on on view here. What's not on view here is how God's individual relationship with any particular person. That's not the thing. We're we're removing empires and we're talking it up. We're talking it big. Um, I go to football with my son and he yells out things from the sideline like, put him in a body bag. And I'm just, it's embarrassing. Tim, can you just tone it down? But... Really? Body bag? No, no one's actually going off hopefully in a body bag. But that's the sort of thing. It's big talk, it's battle talk. Um, and it's very likely the, the genre is contributing to that. So there's another thing. Here's another thing to remember too. Um, and this really is critical Because the point we're trying to make is, is this good? It really is good to eliminate evil empires. It's morally good. It was morally right for us, for the Allies, to destroy the Nazi regime. And not just to win the war or to, to make a truce, but to actually go and completely and utterly destroy the Nazi apparatus, completely, whatever it took, Um, To destroy it utterly. Same with ISIS. It's morally right to utterly destroy it. Not just to, again, have a treaty, give them some land, say you can live there, that's fine. Um, It's morally good to destroy properly evil empires. Um, And when you read what some of the empires in the land of Israel were doing, they were sacrificing children, Um, they were violent. They were idolatrous, they were destructive, they were properly evil. It's right to destroy evil empires. And even in the, there's clues in the text too. These were fortified cities. These were not just peaceful dwellers. These were people who had set themselves up to be violent. Everything was violent. They were violent towns. They were army towns. They were garrison towns. Another thing to remember, which is related to that, is that innocents often do suffer the sins of the parents. The Bible talks about how the sins of parents are visited upon their children. Um, What we mustn't do is when we read that the Israelites were killing children, that the children were guilty of something and were being punished as children. That's not what's going on. What's going on is whatever it takes to destroy this empire um, and that will involve children being killed just like it did in World War II. This is a picture of Dresden, um, or you could look in Japan. Um, many innocents suffered um, because of the sins of their parents. Even with IS, they would put children all around them, <laughs> deliberately um, knowing that the children would be killed. But the only way you're going to kill, take out the leadership was um, with the, the hideous cost of children being killed as well. Um, it is an evil, but um, there are times when it's a necessary evil. One more. This is the last one. Um, And this is an important one for us Australians to wrestle with, I think. We're in a world where life is beautiful. Um, The worst possible thing we can imagine is pain. We avoid pain at all costs. We avoid death at all costs. We ship out our pain and death um, behind... Um, into institutions behind closed doors. We don't want to live with that. We don't want to see that. Pleasure is our highest um, value and pain is the thing we avoid the most. Um, But it is not the worst. Physical death is not the worst thing that you can go through. It's just a thing. And all of us, it's the one thing that all of us will go through. At one point we will all suffer a physical death. But the perspective of the Bible is that your eternal status is infinitely more important than the length of your life. Your life might be 80 years um, and God bless you many here have led a long and fulfilling life and that's great but 60 years, 20 years, it's insignificant in light of eternity and, and we will all die and we can't cling on to our bodies. Um, again, what's going on here? Yeah, people are dying here um, but that is not a comment on their eternal life. Status. This is not a, a comment about salvation. This is a comment about um, we're going to remove this particular evil empire. Interestingly, individual status in even in Bashan, like you've got Rahab, right? Um, later on, who was one of the evil empires, a member of the evil empire who ended up aligning herself with God and is now one of Jesus, became one of Jesus' ancestors. Um, So these big picture war things are not a comment on the individual status of any person before God and that's actually the more critical question. Um, We will all die. It will hurt for most of us, more or less. Um, But there are bigger issues and the bigger issue is will you align yourself with God or not? Um, That's the question. Um, Fortunately, one other little thing just to drop in there is Jesus walked this as well. This is not an abstract thing for God. Jesus suffered punishment. All evil will be punished by God, not just particular evil empires. All evil is punished by God. Um, But Jesus walked that road of punishment um, so that all of us who are evil didn't need to and we can actually go beyond our physical death which is just a blink (laughs) um, and into eternity. That's the biggest thing, that's by far the most important thing. Everything, everything we have is a gift from God, including our life. Um, and aligning with him, like the, like the Israelites, aligning ourselves with him um, leads to covenant blessing and that's what we're made for and God has the right um, to give us all a life, short or long, um, with a call to do that. So let's pray. And please join with me in in offering our lives to him, reaffirming, renewing that covenant. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are the Lord, you're the Lord of the universe and you create and you sustain it and us. Every moment is a gift from you. Um, And we do thank you there's so many people in this room who you have given a long life and um, a relatively painless life. Some of us um, will have suffered perhaps more than others but... We do thank you for the gift that we have and we do thank you as well that these lives are fleeting, that we are like flowers and we are like grass and actually we're built for eternity and that's a true gift. We're built to be in your presence forever. Thank you too that you don't ignore evil and that you will rightly judge it. We are sad, Lord, that there's a cost to that at times. we know that in this messy world, innocent people suffer um, because of evil. But we also thank you, Lord, that um, you did ultimately judge all evil on that cross and that through that we can be restored and saved through that. We thank you that evil was dealt with once and for all in Christ. So Lord, we do want to offer ourselves to you and align ourselves with you. We thank you for the covenant that is offered in Jesus' blood. And we thank you for these things and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.